Hey, sports fans. It's Greg Medford from the Greg Medford Show here, live from Phoenix, Arizona. How y'all doing today? Thanks for stopping in. So, we've had politicians, we've had comedians, we've had, uh, I don't know, we've had business people and insurance folks, we've had interesting folks, we've had old folks and young folks, fat folks, skinny folks, we've had some TV people, gubernatorial candidates, congressmen, senators, it's been a fun list. This has been a pretty wild year so far. Well, I say year. It's the first year of our show. How's that? We're, are we in season one right now, guys? We're in season two. This is season two. I didn't even know. We just transitioned right into season two. And uh, we've got a friend of the shop uh, in today who's been on Naked and Afraid. Now, we were going to do the show naked today, but then I got the kibosh. I had myself all ready to be naked. I had worked through all my shame. I'm like, where do I place my stuff? So that she's not getting a crotch shot at me from the other side of the table. Because you don't want to see a guy sitting there naked. Uh, that makes me afraid. And, <laughs> and then and then I was going to point. I was going to put the headset control like right at the right angle. So that I blocked. You know, I don't want to have somebody get a crotch shot at somebody. And then how are you supposed to talk? And then if I look down at the table, they think I'm looking at their crotch. So then we were like, we got some software so we could pixelate out body parts. And then, then we couldn't do it in real time. Then we got to record it and do all this post pro digitizing. And then, uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, Amber came in and so she goes, well, my husband won't let me do a show naked. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here naked. So we decided we were afraid to do the show naked and we didn't do the show naked. So now we're here live. So Amber, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, brother. Nice to have you in. Um, and my board's not working here. Does, does anybody uh, does anybody know how to make my board work? Man, maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, the power's off over here, huh? I'm so bummed. I was giving you a clap in. <laughs> that was funny. You said you know her husband might get bad. Oh no no you you just completely turned it off. <laughs> Say that again. I said it was funny that you said my husband would be so mad if I was naked. And I'm like, after I'm not ashamed to be naked. After you spent five years on TV, right? Like M multiple years. Pixelated. I'm like, let's do this. Yeah, so just so you guys know, my board's not working. So if you get that figured out, just let me know. Close the door and we'll just get back to what we're doing here. It's an unscripted show, you know, this is an NBC. Um, so Amber Hargrove, she's, uh, been on four seasons, fifth season coming out on the discovery channel doing naked and afraid. And I'm sure some of you have seen the show. I've never actually seen the show. So give me a quick breakdown on what the show is. Naked and afraid. The basic premise is stripping. Cause I'm always afraid when I'm naked. I'm like, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm always like this. What's going to happen? You know, what's crazy is I'm not a naked person. Like, it's so funny. People are like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, you know, I go out in the wild and, you know, I'm on Discovery Channel. And as soon as I say naked and afraid, the wives get weird with me. They give me looks. And I'm like, man, the truth is I'm not a naked person. Really? But the show itself is based off of putting you in any different type of... Are you grabbing your chest? I was I was, <laughs> I was just... I, I, I didn't want to steal. I didn't want to steal your thunder. So I was letting you talk. But I was just going like, I, I am, am kind of naked. I have a naked problem. I do. Okay, well, if if I was naked right here, right now, yeah. my tatas would be a huge distraction because you're not used to seeing no, a woman all the time. No, you don't God. think it would be? Shit, no. Okay, well, 
I'm just calling you out on that one. Then you would do great on Naked and Afraid because... I, naked is a natural state. I mean, I okay, so uh, I'm going to tell you... Oh, no, no, no. You tell me a story. The show's not about... <laughs> the show is not about me. No, let's hear it. This is good. I love hearing people's opinion on Naked and Afraid and what they think. Well, uh, okay, so uh, I have this lifelong friend who's Jewish, and uh, he and his wife always had an Easter party. I don't know how Jews were celebrating Easter, you know, something to do with the crucifixion of the God and all that. Anyway, they were celebrating. They were on the wrong end of Easter, and they still had an Easter party, so they had all their Gentile friends over. And I used to play Uncle Pricey, so I would get kind of get loaded and, uh, and make fun of all the kids. Like, it was 1970s style, you know, like adults hanging out. And so the kids would all be running around, and I would totally, I'm sure the kids were in therapy afterwards, and I know some of the moms were. There was this one kid I called Porkchop, and uh, his mom was beside, she was beside herself that I called him pork job because every time I saw him, he always just had a hand with food just stuffed in his face. <laughs> and I couldn't remember his name because it was some like kitschy kind of Caden or Jaden or Braden. Or, and I was like, hey, pork job. And it drove his mom absolutely insane. Oh, anyway, the last year I went to the party, um, the, the brother held the party and it was up on the side of a real swanky neighborhood up on the side of a mountain here in town, Paradise Valley. And uh, the house uh, out the back window had a patio, and off the patio it dropped down like 15 feet, and there was the pool because they're on the side of the mountain, and it's terraced, right? Yeah. So everyone's standing around, and the girls are all in dresses and heels, and everyone's, you know, very hoity-toity. And uh, I'm there, and uh, I'm hanging out with my two buddies, and they're fucking professional derelicts. And they drank a lot, and I don't drink at all. And we end up standing next to each other, and I, I'm drinking with them. I have a couple drinks. They're like, oh, Greg, you're drinking with us. I get three, four drinks in, and they're like, they're just getting warmed up, and I'm done. So I just kind of walk over, and I look out the window, and everybody's standing there in this cocktail party in this nice house. He's a doctor. There's doctors and doctors' wives. And I just start taking off my clothes. What? I got completely buck naked standing there looking out the window, and everybody was just looking at me. I opened up the door, and I walked out across the patio. It's Easter, so it's a little chilly. I stepped up onto the banister, and I jump off the banister into the pool. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So then, like a... A dog, you know, like when a dog jumps in the pool and it comes running back in the house, you're like, oh no, did it get a towel? Yes. So I come running back in the house, completely naked, completely covered and and just soaked and their women are scrambling <laughs> to get me a, a towel or something. And I remember I went over to my friend's mom who was sitting there with the, the, uh, the elder generation in a circle and they were talking and they were just like a gas. And I remember I turned around, I bent over and I talked to her with my ass. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How old were you when you did this? I was, uh, I don't know, it was about 15 years ago. So <laughs> oh, I was 35 or 37. And I remember, uh, I remember, uh, my wife at the time, Amy, she, she, uh, she she was standing there and she was just a gog you know because her family's all really nice and they would never do anything oh like God. this she didn't know she married a, a desert lunatic and and, <laughs> and one of the wives turns she says i'm so glad it's not my husband tonight oh my gosh she <laughs> yeah. said that and i was uninvited forever i was uninvited until his funeral they invited me back yep. Jeez, louise greg true, true story Oh my gosh, you're like the life of the party. So though. I shouldn't, I, 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 so I, I used to just get naked for like the drill of it. I'm like, well, what are you guys talking about? Just get naked, you know? And I, yeah. yeah well, uh, then the show came on. You guys kind of copied me. We totally copied you. That's yeah. exactly how it started. Hey, tell me something. How does this work? Like, uh, do, do you really spend the whole time naked or is it like shooting moments? Can, can you give me some behind the scenes on this show? Like, do, is there the impression that you're just naked the whole time? 
Or are, yeah. you, are you allowed to make a palm frond skirt for yourself? Or, <laughs> or is that a waste you of can time? Make, what are you doing? Okay, so there's a couple of series I've been on. And I can tell you right now that I learned my lesson that my first challenge ever was in the Everglades. I'm going to give you a situation here. Uh -huh. It was a 21-day challenge. And I'm thinking to myself, you have to strip butt naked. Well, they do a little bit of pre-filming. So in the very beginning, they'll, they'll film you, be dropped off at your location, off of a vehicle, and you start taking off your clothes. I was not a naked person at the time, and I still am not. I couldn't get out of my bikini and cowgirl boots. I took off my clothes. Like, I just couldn't get over the hump of getting naked. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm really Interesting doing this. Interesting choice it's of surreal. words. Yes, it, it was um, the hump. The hump getting over the hump yeah i know I... it was so difficult for me and finally the third time the producer said hey amber you you need to get out of your clothes like we got to start filming and yeah. i'm like "Shit!" so i finally do it i get out of my boots and my bikini and i'm like i'm really doing this it was so surreal and then i never put on clothes again i made a couple of grass skirts for because, 21 days yeah well so that challenge i only made 16 and then my partner wasn't boiling the water so i got dysentery really bad and got oh. pulled on day 16. It oh. was a difficult situation, but I will tell you, the only reason why I made clothes was because the mosquitoes were eating my skin alive. Right. Like when I say mosquitoes were eating my vagina, oh, swear boy. to God, I, I had no skin. It was 24 oh. seven. The worst environment I've ever been in was the Everglades. Hands I'm, I'm down. slightly freaked out right now. It's going to take me a minute to recover. So, uh, <laughs> I have a video I can show you. No, I have no skin good. on my legs, not my oh, obviously. Yeah. It was what was mm. on the episode. Naturally, uh, they they pixelate away the mosquitoes. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. It's new software. It's mosquito software. Oh, is that what they it is? Get the, they get the bugs out. They, yeah, they got to get the bugs out. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're not allowed to have. Uh, aren't there some like natural like uh, uh, anti bug? Uh, things you can put on you? Uh, correct. So a couple of things I discovered in the Everglades was I thought, you know what, I'll put mud all over my body. And the problem with that is it attracted the horseflies. Right. So you dealt with every element from Mother Nature, going from mosquitoes to horseflies to gnats, and you couldn't escape it. And then I realized, okay, I'll use clay on my body. Clay was great, except it would suck all the damn moisture out of your body and my it skin would dries you out. Oh, yeah. I experienced that last year in Louisiana filming on the Legend Challenge that my skin started to break on my back and i would bleed on my back oh. but i needed the clay because the mosquitoes in louisiana are evil i'm still recovering from stuff you said earlier i'm just i'm normally not i'm normally not at a loss for words so uh let me ask you something else so is since i haven't seen the show the premise is that you basically have to survive for 21 days naked with a partner and, oh, and yes. you've got a partner okay and do you get do you compete for the partners or you just draw them randomly? There's no competition. Uh, you don't compete for any partners. You actually don't even get to pick your partner. There they, is no They choice. probably pair they you guys up you. to see who's the most kind By of personality dynamic traits. pair. To Correct. Either they want to create a drama, so they're going to put somebody who has drama and the other person's really calm, whatever it may be, or anger problems. And um, do you I was, become friends with these folks that you're naked with. You for a couple really weeks? do. So you really bond with these people. I mean, you go through hell. I mean, what you're so resilient out there. You're able to go through this experience, um, the sacrifice of your skin, the body, the hardships, whether you go hungry or you don't. And you really have a, a lot of respect for these people. Do you lose weight during the challenge? 100%. My, oh, man, sounds like a great diet. Uh, well, you know how what? Much, Everybody much, says that. Like, would I? I mean, I would cut weight because I'm a fat you, bastard. You would cut so much. How much do you weigh? Am I allowed to ask you? I'm that? walking around. At, oh yeah, I'm not some fucking wallflower. I'm 220, 220 pounds. You know. Okay, you would probably get down to 160 if you were to do a 40 day challenge. 
Okay, does that mean you don't eat during the 40 days? No, that means that your body is purified. So imagine all this crap we eat every day. Like, we are so spoiled in America here. Right. We can go to a drive through and they're handing us food. When you go out in the wild, it's so addicting to kill and provide for yourself with your hands. I mean, having the ability to go out there and know you can take on any environment and you will provide for your partner and people, it's a huge... All right, give me a list of shit that you've eaten out there in this madness. Give me a list of the stuff you've eaten. Um, I think the, let's start with the worst thing I've ever okay, eaten. Let's, let's, why not? Let's it. do that. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can we end there? Yeah, let's, let's end there. Let's work Okay, the best there. thing I've ever ate was a, an electric eel. And it was so divine. I wait was... a minute. So you guys cooked it over an open fire? <sighs> but you don't have garlic or spices or anything. You're just happy you to get real meat. You have nothing. And at this point. How'd when... you get the electric eel? I speared it. <laughs> yeah. I speared it. I'm a big fisherwoman, so I I can go to any water and figure I out a way what to you do did it. There. So, um, you you what all right, next from the eel? Next from the electric eel. Uh, next would be um, I would definitely say I love eating wolffish. They're one of my favorites. Snake is great. I love snake too. I um, oof, I can't wait to share my experience that I just went through. I can't talk about it, but it and I almost died. So I'm really grateful to be here right now. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, wait a minute. Uh. You almost died because of a snake. Yeah, I can't talk about it because okay. it's in the future. What is coming? But oh shit! I, I will say that spoiler. <laughs> I will say right now that uh, definitely snake is one of my second favorites. I caught two snakes in the Everglades, uh, water moccasins, and oh, they're so good. And the one water moccasin. How'd you, that catch, I had, them? How'd you catch them? I speared it with a spear that I made. Okay, carry on. And the one water, one water moccasin you had what? She had um, eggs inside of her. And I stripped her skin down and I saw them and my, I looked at my partner, Ryan, and I go, oh my gosh, she's got eggs. These are going to be so great. And, and he did said, you guys eat the eggs? Well, of course I did. I looked at my partner and I was like, this is going to be so great. He goes, those are tumors. And I'm like, no, sweetie. My dad taught me a long time how to catch a snake and how to kill it and how to eat it. I said, let me tell you, I got apple snail shells and I made hard boiled eggs out there and I ate all of them and they were so good. Best eggs I've ever had in my life. They had to be early on or they would be mm -hmm. like kind of developed inside, right? It was early on and she was full of them. She had eight beautiful eggs. How big, how big, is, how big is a water moccasin uh, egg? Uh, about the size of a golf ball. Shit. It was so good. And I gave him the meat from the snake, but the truth is I have more protein in those eggs. And he was like, not going to try it. And so the last one, as I'm boiling it in the apple snail shell, I look at it and I go, are you sure you don't want to try this egg? And he goes, no. And I was like, just do it. And he had it. And he goes, are you kidding me? How do you go? Said, it's okay. so good. How do you go back to regular, like, <laughs> life is pretty fucking mundane after you've been, like, you know, smacking water moccasins and eating eggs out of their womb and... You know, that's a great, that's a great question because the truth is I feel like when I go on these challenges, I go in beast mode and I just don't care what I do. Like, I will do anything to get food. I, I mean, there are things that I've done out there in the wild that I look back on now and I'm like, I must have been crazy. Look, give me an example. Um, in Ecuador, I would go out there every morning and I would get in the water, the Amazon water basin, and I would start splashing around with my hands and I'd grab sticks and I would do it. And then I would take a step back and I would throw a cast net over it and I would catch piranha. So I was attracting them with my own body. And I'm thinking about what else I could attract that out there that came in, you know. Do they ever come up and bite you? Uh, a couple of them nipped my calf because I had a scab and it ripped my scab off and I had a couple drops of blood. It didn't attack me like crazy like you see in movies. It doesn't work that way. Right. If you're not bleeding, they're not going to mess with you. But I think about some of the things I put my body just to get food and I was addicted to it. I was like, this is adrenaline for me. I'm like, what else can I do? So. Uh huh. Okay.
So you've used yourself as bait. You've eaten an eel. You've eaten snakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me when you prep a snake. Give me an idea. Uh, Take us through the steps real quick of how you get the snake ready to, to eat it. Sure. First thing you do is you're going to cut its head off. And if it's um, venomous, you want to bury the head itself. So that way, because it will keep biting you. If it bites you still, you'll still, it'll be a huge infection. It'll be horrible. And uh, bury the head and then you would take the snake. You mean because it's autonomically still going like that or because you could just get, okay, all right, fair enough. It could still, the muscles are still flexing for like an hour. Pretty amazing creatures. Oh, 100%. I mean, some of the stuff I've seen that survived out of water. Not just amazing tasting. Oh my gosh, they're so good. Okay, so so then you cut a little slit at the very top where you cut the head yep. from the actual belly of the snake yep. to the skin itself, and yep. then you pull it down. You rip it down like a tube, like a like a tube sock. So you de sock pulling it, it yep. down. Yeah, and that's all you're doing. And then you remove the gut slightly with your um, knife in the middle, and everything just strips off the meat. And the meat is just—it's kind of crazy. The meat's still moving. All the muscles are flexing. And the snake is still moving 20 minutes after it's dead. I just fucking threw up a little tiny bit, and then. Uh, you, you clean down to the like vent tube area and cut that out? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is it delicate or... Uh, it, it, anybody, it's like chicken. Anybody can do it their first time? Anybody can do it. It's like tasting chicken. And once you have the meat itself, it doesn't fall off the bone. There are so many bones. It's Unless you get a large snake, it, it, it's feeling. But the smaller snakes that I got, like you're really working on it. It's it, like a bony fish. Yeah, it's almost like eating a pork rind. It almost tastes like a pork rind a little bit sometimes, the smaller snakes, because yeah. the meat is very little. So oh, kind of okay. neat. Okay. All right. All right. And uh, and then how do you cook them? You put them on some sticks and just put them over yeah. an open fire? I wrap it around a stick and I just turn it around like a like I'm cooking a pig on a fire. Like a rotisserie. That's it. All right. It's so great. And people ask, like, gosh, that would drive me nuts. I'm having salt or seasonings. And I'm like, when your body is purified, the natural taste of the meat is amazing. It's great. Uh, so you kind of go in starvation mode. Sometimes. But sometimes you're not starving. But so, so you still lose weight while you're doing it. You still lose weight because imagine all you're eating is protein. That's like a keto. So oh, okay. you are literally on nothing but protein. Yeah, so I it's mean, a straight up like caveman diet. Pretty much. And okay. you do lose a ton of weight. Crazy. Well, and also when your body is struggling to maintain temperature in these extreme environments, that takes a shit ton of energy. People, I remember it really like, does. when I was doing cold weather training in the Marine Corps, we'd, you, know, you, you might lose seven pounds in a day. Yes. And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, you're just shivering. You burn all this energy. All that energy is yeah, burning off crazy. everything you have. Yeah. I think that uh, the hardest experience I've ever experienced, well, actually, let me back it up. The weight issue for me was Africa. Africa was one of the most harshest environments I've ever been in. But where, were you, where were you in Africa? Namibia, Katima. All right. And it was definitely... The hottest experience, it got to 117, three days. And it was day one filming. And I remember going with my partner, Dawn. You know you're in Phoenix. We don't, we don't think 117 is very hot. No, All no. Right, you ahead. guys don't think it's that hot. But let me tell you, when you're butt naked and you don't have some oh, to put on, that's true, that's you've true. got barefoot. You're walking over um, devil thorns. They are horrible. They are about Oh, so you don't have three, shoes during you this have nothing. Either. And, and I'm walking five miles on day one filming and my shoulders have blisters and I am just like, you've got to be kidding me. And here's the thing about Naked and Afraid. You don't get to pick your location is behind the scenes. Right. They guide you and say, this is your only area. You get to pick only in this little small circle. And I'm like, first of all, I would not pick this location to survive. 
I really wouldn't. Are there other teams trying to survive there at the same time as you? Yeah, it depends what challenge you're going on. There is a 14-day a challenge called called a fan challenge, and it's when one, um, they call them like the golden, the golden crew, somebody who's been on a challenge before, and they take a fan who has never been outside as a survivalist, and we take them out 14 days. 21-day challenge is the basic. And they do that on TV? Mm-hmm. All right, so it's an experienced uh, naked and afraider yep. and a uh, a brand new naked and much more afraider. Correct. Somebody with no experience. Yeah, okay. And then you have a 21-day challenge where they partner you up with anybody who's a survivalist who applied. I do this, I do that, but mainly they just read books, I think, and watch YouTube because I've seen some of these guys come on the show and I'm like, what? And they'll say, well, I learned this on from reading a book. And I was like, have you actually tried this he like put your hands on it and they're like nope first time i'm like oh wowza what's the thing you do like people say though oh i'm a knife maker and i'd be like i know like three things i could say well show me how you do this and you to like really quick find out if they're a knife maker or not what's what what are the couple of like the screens you would do uh let's say you were uh had to had to pick a survival person you had to interview some people and they were gonna Mm -hmm be on your own version of a show sure how would you pick them what were the things you'd test them with um first of all i would ask them how to build a shelter what kind of shelter would you build if you're in this environment i would give them environments because that really dictates Dictates, their knowledge on it i mean there's certain shelters you wouldn't build in certain environments so that would be my first question uh second question is what tool would you bring what is your survival item that you would bring pick three what would it be Uh. i'm asking you what would you pick if you had to pick three survival items that's all you got and you're buck naked out there um all right i think i would pick a knife am i allowed to bring a little water filtration cup yeah you can do that you can do that so a knife okay i would bring a water filtration cup and um i I know it sounds a little funny but either a big sun hat or a bottle of sunscreen okay greg i gotta be honest i wouldn't pick you as a partner that's bad huh well, it, there's a couple reasons. You're an amazing person. Okay, <laughs> let me break this down. You are you're you're a badass. I'm, you are a badass. You're Greg Medford. I'm finicky though, but but you know. if if you brought a hat, how would we share that hat? Oh no, that's why that's why I said sunscreen. I changed from okay. So why, you pick sunscreen? Yeah, because I was thinking. Oh, okay, I would take you then. Yeah, like uh, some SPF 400. Yeah. Yeah. Because you start talking about all those blisters on your skin and everything. I'm oh like, my gosh. all right, well, if I got to get through this, I, w- I, w- I don't want that. And I'm bald, so I got to do something <laughs> or I'm like a problem. You know what I mean? No, I completely understand that. All right. So, I... All right. So sunscreen, knife, and a water filtration cup. That's okay. the three things I would bring. How, what were the three things? What are the three you would bring? I would bring a ferro rod. I would bring a knife. And I would bring a pot. Oh, okay. I see the thinking. And, and you're like, And you're like, fuck the skin. It'll grow back. But what kind of knife would you bring, though? Would you bring a small knife or a big knife? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you. Well, if I had my druthers, I'd have a machete and I'd have a little skinning knife. See, that is a perfect set. I totally agree with you there. I developed a knife called the Barracuda through Dark Timber Custom Knives, and it's a bookery almost. And I pick a a large knife because... Is Is that what you're wearing right now? No, this is my, um, no, this is a different knife. Let me see that knife you have okay. on right now. Do you want to see? Come... <laughs> I love your knife slinging. <laughs> this is a Dark Timber Custom. This is uh, my husband's commander. Who's uh, Dark Timber? Who's that? Peter Kohler, my husband. Oh, that's your husband. That's he my husband, a knife yeah. Maker. Yeah, he forges. He does mid-techs. He actually Hey, has... who the fuck scheduled her? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
No, he's actually a great. He oh. actually thinks you're a great too. By the way, oh, he wanted no. to be here. He 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 was a sweetheart. He was a real gentleman when I was a typical gang, gangster, as I usually am. Uh, tell me, is this? Does he do a forging method on all of his stuff? Is he kind of old school knife maker or reduction? Yeah, old school. He does all okay. of his Damascus. He does everything. Okay, cool. He does his own handles. This is his mid tech line. So he actually, this is mass produced. Um, my actual Barracuda, I have it here actually, and um, that's all custom. That's with Nitro V. It's a, that knife. Let me tell you, I, I have never experienced a better knife in my hand than that. And I'm grateful that my husband allowed me to develop a knife with him because he definitely has his own brand and I'm the naked and afraid girl, you know, and people are like, you're not a knife maker. I don't want to be a knife maker. And I'm not, but well, you know what I want? I want to make my own goddamn knife to go out in the wild and have it. Well, you gotta knife. know what you want now. Well, cause I can, I know what I do in the wild. Right. Can I, do I go outside and I cut down trees? Do I build my own shelters? Do I build rafts? Do I build open fishing platforms? Yes, I do. But I wouldn't take a small knife because a small knife can't do what a big knife does. Big yeah. knife can always do what a small knife does. Yeah. So that's maybe not go. well, but it can do it. I wish I yeah. could have a pair though, have a small one and a large one together. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, and you know, what's funny is I showed up, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, I showed up with knives and the guys were like, what are you gonna do with that? You know, I had a big Bowie knife and I'm like, well, I'll, you know, I can do all kinds of stuff with it. So it became like when I was on a deployment with a big Bowie knife, I tried to use it for everything I possibly could. I only wish I would have taken pictures. Oh, you can don't you, have any pictures. Can you imagine that? If so I was a young guy and I cataloged me using a Bowie knife and then I end up in the knife business later in life. That's huge. That would have been awesome. Somebody's got to have a picture nope, of you. Nope. Um, I had, oh God, this is funny. So we had this, uh, I remember in Saudi Arabia, we were in this forward, uh, at camp area before we were going into Kuwait and uh we were in a 40-man GP tent mm -hmm. uh, my platoon and they had the officers hooch across from us and there was this guy who'd gone to the citadel I forget his name he was a captain and I remember I would sit on an ammo box out in front of the uh, of our hooch completely naked with my boots on in the sun and I would uh, sharpen this Bowie knife that I brought with me, and whenever he'd come out, it, it seemed like he and I were on a similar cycle. Yeah. So I'd be sitting out there whenever I was doing my naked time sharpening. I'd be sitting there completely naked sharpening the knife, and he would come out. So I ended up I ended up getting called to the company commander. The company commander, and I asked Corporal Medford and I, I need to talk to you about something. It's a little weird. What's the deal with you sitting out naked in front of the hooch there, uh, sharpening your knife? I said, Well, sir, you know, I just, you know. You know, you know, we don't have laundry and feel like after I take a bath, I don't feel like putting dirty clothes back no, on. No, because you get sweaty. I was in Kuwait for uh, nine months. So on my army deployment, so I get I, it. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm just going to sit out here. My, and there weren't any girls in the Marine Corps infantry, you know. So I, was, I said, I just like sitting out there. And he said, and then you sharpen your knife. I'm like, yeah, it just seems like something to do, sir. And he goes, well, I've got one of my young officers having nightmares. And do you, think, do you think you could maybe knock it off? And I was like, well. Really, sir? He says, yeah. I said, yes, sir. I that is funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so apparently I... So traumatized you know, this I, officer. I traumatized this guy sitting out there just completely naked with no shame because, you know, I was around my guys and I didn't care. And I, I just sharpened this Bowie knife as like a pastime, you know? Gosh, I have so many great memories uh, being in Iraq when we got these new lieutenants coming in. Yeah. And I was a sergeant and I was like, oh, we got this new lieutenant. What'd you do? Um, I was a 74 Delta chemical equipment. 
Chemical equipment. Okay. Yeah. Well, All I worked right. as a 63 Juliet chemical equipment and then 74 was, uh, you know, NBC. Oh, okay. CBRN. NBC, yeah. 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 That, that's army talk. I don't know any of those things. You oh, guys... yeah. Chem so chemical, which, which was great because we get these new officers that do training. And I was like, hey, we have to go work on our tanks to do our maintenance. And uh, I'm like, you have to take this chalk and you have to go over and mark the soft spots on the tank. And he was like, oh, okay, I got this. I leave for 10 minutes and I come back and he put 20 X's all over this tank. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy has no idea. I'm totally messing with him right now. Wow. There's no soft spots on tanks. Absolutely no soft spots. And when you say tank, you mean like a battle tank, like a... Yeah, like, like an M14. Like, 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 okay, like right. literally. And he would literally put these X's and he goes, this seems pretty soft. And I'm like, this guy's taking a hammer on oh, this tank right fantastic. now. It was pretty good. I used to mess with people a lot over there and I was kind of goofy. That's but... fantastic. I used to love my deployments, though. Is that, uh, were you married when you were in the Army, or did you get married no. afterwards? How did you and your husband meet? Um, actually, I met um, Peter Kohler at Blade Show. So it was my first year. I just got done filming uh, my second season of Naked and Afraid, and everybody says, go to Blade Show in Atlanta. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'll oh, go. Oh, so you guys got together like five years ago. Yeah. No, no. I just met him at that point, and I, I heard about the Dark Timber Brotherhood, his group on Facebook, okay. and I was like, they raise, they do charities. I found out that my cousin Nova, she was 34 years old and she was dying from cancer. She had 90 days left to live is what they gave her. And she said, I'm really struggling. I have two kids. We're financially hurting. I don't know what to do. And the doctor says, this is the end of my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's the sweetest girl, good person. What could I do to help? Why not use whatever reality star I have to help raise money to help her get through her bucket list before she passes? And then um, Bobby Bushcraft, I met him for the first time, and he said, I'd like to introduce you to Peter Kohler. He will raise money in this charity if he, if he sees it fit, and she's a good person. I said, trust me, I'll fall in love with Nova. And Peter immediately met me. He met Nova a week later, raised her $17,000 in a week, and she got to do her bucket list, and she passed early. And um, it was oh. one of the best experiences of my life. And Peter and I were just friends. I rarely talked to him. What he did for me was like, wow, this is an inspiring person. He, and he's very inspiring for anybody who meets him. He believes in a lot. And uh, yeah, that's how we met. And then I started a job at, uh, oh my gosh, Knives Illustrated Magazine. And I would travel with Bobby Bushcraft. And I said to him, hey, this is my first interview with somebody. Who do you recommend? He goes, why don't we go interview Peter Kohler? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'll go interview him. I'll go to Colorado. Well, I went there and I didn't know he was going, he was going through a divorce. I, we went to his house. It was completely empty. Like it was so awkward. Like I was like, what is going on? So Wait a minute. So is that, is that who your husband is? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just connected to dots here. Sorry. This go is ahead. my husband, Peter, right. who I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. And so Peter Cole, I want to put him in, um, you know, Knives Illustrated Magazine, do my first article on him as I'm interviewing all these people. I'm like, this is going to be great. We go to his forge. We start interviewing. I'm with my boss, Josh, and Peter busts out moonshine. And I'm not a drinker. Like, I'll have a drink every once in a while. Don't let this fool you right here, by the way. Oh, no, I'm not fooled. Okay. All right. So we bust out this moonshine. We start drinking. In the middle of the interview, I didn't realize I was actually drunk. And I said, you are so hot. And I was like, oh, my God, how intentional. I can't believe I just did this. And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was trying to fix myself. I was sweating. He's and... like, fuck the interview. Hi. Uh, yes, pretty much. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was so embarrassed. And then um, I was like, we should go on a date sometime. At the very end, I didn't know we were still filming oh, on a live. And I was still like, going. yeah, so I was going for it. I was single. He was single. And that night, he decided to take me out to downtown Golden as our first date. And he said to me, there was karaoke going on. Yeah. He said, you know, 
don't embarrass me he was with his brother-in-law greg this big tough guy from new york or whatever and i was like oh don't embarrass them okay and i love karaoke oh, and he no. didn't know that oh no so he's standing there with his pool stick trying to be cool standing there and then all of a sudden they say amber come on down and i'm like oh this is great you know so i get the microphone there's like 50 people in this bar and i go what's up Denver? and he was like oh my god oh shit yeah and I had the whole bar singing the song with me. I got on top of the bar. I I nailed it. Oh, you went coyote ugly, huh? Yeah, I All actually right. used to be a coyote ugly. What do you mean? I worked there for two years after I got out of the army. You worked at coyote ugly in is that in Las Vegas? No, New in York? Denver. In Denver. Oh, uh -huh. they have one there. Yeah. Look at you. I used oh. to love it. Peter, you won. You my win. name was Roxy. <laughs> that was my name because Callie was taking a number from California. Of course it was. You know, I have a friend calling in who's kind of a fan. Could, would you mind if we take a call? Of course. Oh my God. All right. So I'm not, I can't see his name because he's got all kinds of things going on. Hey, hey, Chris, how are you? Hi. Yes. I was trying to call. You didn't answer when I called earlier. I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of a, uh, you must be watching this because I know you're a fanboy. Of course. I, I saw you had Amber there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's here. Do you want to say hi? Hey, Chris. Everything? Everything's going great. We're actually just talking about some random military stories, coyote ugly moments, moonshine, and life. Uh, CW, what are you doing, man? Where are you at right now? Well, I can't tell you a whole lot. I'll tell you, I'm in Wisconsin. But... What are you doing in Wisconsin? Are you on a set or what? Yeah, I'm on a set. It's, it's kind of low-key, but it's, it's exciting. <laughs> what? What do you that's do, it. Chris? I gotta hear this. No, no. You, uh, so you you guys have a little your downtime in your trailer right now or something? You're on YouTube for God's sake. Yeah, you know, all those fucking guys. They always point here, point there. You know, I'm just gonna do what I want. So I, you, you popped up that you went live, and I wanted to call you. So. Oh well, uh, awesome! I thought to put you through because I see you make five calls. I'm like, does Chris need a knife? What's going on? Something for a movie? All right. Well, uh, is there anything you want to say to Amber before we get back to our interview? No, I'm just I'm glad she's all right and that she had that run-in with the whole thing and the parasites and all that. So. I did. It was um, it was really rough on me, and uh, that recovery was the hardest recovery ever. Okay, well, listen, um, stalk and walk, and thanks for stopping by. We'll uh, we'll talk to you another time. Anytime, Greg, anytime. <laughs> <Bye>. Take care. <laughs> that was cool. The small world. Hey, so uh, uh, you've got a new season coming out, right? Yes, I do. And when's the new season come out? I know you can't talk about it because contractually it's spoilers and all of this, blah, 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 blah. But who wins? Oh, <laughs> Oh my God, like 20 people. No, 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 not even close. Um, <laughs> actually, um, it starts airing in April and it goes until June. So it's a 10 week series. Do you watch it? Uh, I do. So I watch it. It's so funny. I don't like... even have cable and I, I only get cable to watch my series because I don't, uh, I got to experience everything. Here's the truth. I don't know what the producers are going to create the storyline. I can go out there and be a rock star and I can either be a provider or I could be a horrible survivalist and I don't do anything and I sit in a shelter. The producers and Discovery will create any storyline they want. So I'm very careful with my words. Oh. I feel like an old school person where oh. I can 
they can interview me and I know exactly what they're going for, what they want me to say. And I'm able to manipulate it to be like, no, I, that's not the story. I know what's going on. This is who I am. I want you to portray Amber Hargrove. Yeah. Like that's more important to me. Yeah. And, uh, right now I'm doing audio pickups right now and I'm, I'm, I get to kind of figure out the storyline they're going with. And I'm just really excited that they're, they're really portraying me who I am. Are you going to watch this? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I? Oh, you know what's funny? So uh, you probably don't know this, but Amy and I split up a couple of years ago. And uh, the, yeah, the yeah. Amy I just met? Yeah. We're business person and great friends. Oh, oh gosh. That's huge to have somebody like that. No, it's big. I mean, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. And we get along really well. We actually bought houses behind each other. What? So my kids go back and forth between the two houses, they go through a, a, a hedge of oleander bushes. That's really cool, Greg. I know. So, uh, you'd well, be a cool you. ex to have. Uh, so <laughs> that's not weird. I'm sorry. I'm trying to work that out. <laughs> my head was like so, um, I, I had a girlfriend for a while and she kind of stepped into this life that I've already got going on. And that's hard for somebody cause I'm still, you know, Amy's here every day and you know, we're, we're living next to each other. You know, it's conflicting for someone stepping in. They're like, what's going on? You yeah. Could, you guys are still together. I'm like, no, not really, but we're partners. So, uh, I would do these shows and in the evening time I would, I get home and one of the ways I kind of decompress is I kind of like to review the show a little bit, Yeah. especially when I started because I didn't have an interview style. I'd been basically ranting and talking shit about politics. I love it. For the I think you're awesome. <laughs> I watch you and I listen to you and so does Peter. And he's like, man, this guy, I would love to be on a show with him. You guys are more like-minded than you think. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm self-conscious now that I'm, you know, I'm getting people that are in the, you know, the power class, mm -hmm. the, the leadership class to come That's in and right. talk with me. Well, I want to be prepared. I want to seem like I know what I'm talking about. I want to be clear on subject matter. I want to direct the conversation in a way that's at least engaging so people stay on and watch because, you know, why do it if no one's going to watch it? Good point. So trying to find a balance of an interview style. And like, this is interesting because we don't have, um, I, like, I, I don't have... Usually I have a politician come in. I know how they vote. I yeah. know what stuff they're working on. I can talk whether it's state politics or federal politics. I can talk about legislation that's running through. And people go, oh, fuck, you know, Medford knows what he's talking about. Well, I do a little research and I make sure I'm prepared. And then I've got to be ready to roll with them. But that's kind of a formulaic. Yeah. Um, it's laid out. You you have a plan. Yeah. And I kind of know what's I kind of. But to see it, I like to see in this long format, how does it unfold? Is it entertaining? Where is it dead at? So I can change my style. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to be better at it. And um, uh, so I would watch them. Well, the girl actually, she could get really mad at me because I was watching myself. She's like, oh, you're obsessed with yourself. No, you're not. And I'm like, I'm just, you know. You're working would, to grow yourself. Well, I'm trying to figure out, you know, because you do it. It's like um, if, if you do any kind of art, you want to look at it. And I'm not saying this is art, but anything you do where you're presenting yourself, you want to find a way to look at it and judge it and make it better right yeah and you're talking about i watch it i want to see what they're how they're portraying me well i yes. like to see how i come off on camera because you know in your head you vo sound 100 you know when you uh hear recording of yourself you're like oh i sound like that you know because it doesn't yeah. have the sound going through the bone in your ear yep uh it's the same thing visually it no it really is and i'm glad that you watch your shows when they're done because you want to see you're, you want to grow as a human everybody wants to do better everybody wants to learn new things i watch myself and i'm like oh my either i'll look at it and be like that happened to a t or what are they doing like literally that's where i'm at and it's never in the middle there's no medium there ever. <coughs> excuse me you're in a uh, position 
uh, editing in Hollywood and entertainer editing spooks me out a little bit Mm -hmm. because I've been interviewed after like airplane crashes. I've been interviewed and and it gets twisted around. It does. So I'm the same kind of like really, really cautious about how I talk to anybody who's press or entertainment. Um, But I don't have that to worry about. Like I had some things where I, you know, I got to do that a little too much. So I consciously started getting rid of that as much as I could. I touched my face a little too much. I use my hands. Like, I don't know where to put my hands right now. (laughs) I don't know what to do with my hands. Pretty good right here. (laughs) Loud noises. So, um, you know, and then I I had postures that were not great for the camera. And, like, I'm like, oh, geez, I got to lose 20 pounds for sure. You know, like, all this stuff. When you watch yourself, you see these things, you go, and and you're probably like, you know, I think if I was, like, naked and I'm leaning down and I know there's cameras around, I'm like, okay, I don't want to get mad. (laughs) You have no idea. I'm very conscious about that bending over. I know. I mean, that's what I would be freaked out There's a couple of guys that I'm like, during filming this la- my last experience, and I bent over, and I didn't realize the whole camera crew was right behind me. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just showed them my world. You yeah. know? And I, I'm very... And you're like... Conscious about that. You're like, love the mosquitoes, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. And it's, it's, it's in, it is it's it's interesting to put yourself out there. I'm very vulnerable to the world because I'm showing them the real me. It's I'm not an actress. I'm not, which would be really cool to do. Don't get me wrong. And I get to wear clothes. Bonus. But I am putting myself out there being vulnerable to anybody. And, you know, there are haters out there. There are my fans out there who do, praise Do you have me. any haters? I actually have a couple of haters. But I, mean, I, got a lot, I got a lot of haters. I, I, I mean, know, but everybody has it. When you put yourself out there, we're going to get these trolls. Yeah. We're going to get people who you say one thing or it looks like maybe I didn't share my fish with somebody. And they're like, how dare you? And I'm like, uh, that actually didn't really happen. But um, okay. I'm really sorry you're feeling that way. Like- I, I, you know, it's funny you say that because um, I've had you know i'm pretty outspoken i know it could be polarizing and if someone doesn't agree with me it gives Mm -hmm. them an instant reason to stop rubbing oil on themselves in their diaper in their mom's basement (laughs) and now they can chime in and tell me what a dummy i am but um it's one of those things that like anybody who's around me if they're like okay for instance when donald trump got elected Mm -hmm. he was reacting to people saying stuff he was he was getting him in trouble and i was like Hey, boss, man, you've been doing this a long time. You know you can't engage the haters because th- there's no winning that. Because as soon as you knock one down, it's whack-a-mole. There's, there's 10 others. There's like 50,000 more. <laughs> and they're like, oh, if that's all you have to do to get his attention, I'm going to do this. Yes. It, it almost ratchets him up. You it know? does. And now I just have to have a, um, I call it a hard face. I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to let it affect me. Like my last experience in louisiana as going towards the legends was really hard on me i gave it my all i love fishing obviously i'm passionate about it i'm good at it and i'm patient and i had max and gary as my partners and they were complete opposites of each other so i'm dealing with these wars going on every day between these two guys and here i am switzerland in the middle and i'm sitting here and i'm watching and I have to deal with it every day. And I'm like, how do I handle this? And surprisingly, we we grew together and we bonded. And by day 24, my left leg swelled up like the size of my thigh. It was horrible. Uh, what really happened was I didn't have a blood clot. They thought I had a blood clot. So they pulled me on this challenge on day 24. It was horrible. Oh, 24. 
Well, they don't. The thing is, the camera crew wasn't on me when I was fishing that morning, and I stepped on this weird clay hole. And when I stepped on it, like hundreds of these little brown spiders came up and went around my foot and bit me everywhere. So my foot swelled, and Jesus. I was like freaking out, and I was kind of hiding it, and I was like, I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't want to be pulled from this challenge. This is my redemption. I'm doing great. I I believe in myself. I know I'm going to make 60 days in Louisiana. They pulled me. And it broke my heart and devastated me. Like I have never felt like a failure in my life until that challenge. It broke my soul. Like I actually got really sad after filming. Peter flew out to Louisiana, met me at the hospital. And he was like, he was my support system. He was like, hey, it's okay. You're, you, you made it this far. And I was like, but I was thriving. <laughs> I was thriving out there. And I yeah. was like, man, I was crushing it, catching these big old fish. I mean, it was... The, one of the best experiences of my life. And I, I it was hard on me. So people were hating on me. So what happened with the foot? It just went no, away the after swelling, a few days? They gave me a steroid shot on my butt twice a day. And uh, the swelling went down. I stayed in Louisiana a week after filming. I, um, I was uh, just emotionally broke from having to leave because believing in something so much and you give it all this energy and passion. Where do you get, where do you get all this from? I'm, I've turned into a finicky guy like... After uh, being in the infantry, I, I kind of decided I would, I'd be totally fine if I never camped again. So Are you serious? Yeah. I so, felt that way two years after I got out of the army. Like, I was like, screw camping, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I mean, well, look, you get a lot of accolades and you're turning this into, I mean, mm -hmm. you, it's a career for you, right? But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I would do this if I was getting paid, you know, and I was doing that. But if it was the choice between, like, running a company or doing Naked and Afraid, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Christ, no. I, I am addicted to it. I don't want to love eat any, it. I don't want to eat any snail boogers. No, you know, hey, we didn't some... finish the list. Oh, damn it. I forgot to tell you. Okay, so we went from like the best. I talked about the eel, the snake, the fish, <laughs> all that good stuff. I think the worst thing that I ate was um, maggots. And I was like, Gary talked me into it. We, uh, I got an eight foot alligator. I named her Bertha. I ripped her head off and I was so proud of it. And then, back up just a second. Tell me about that. Um, that whiskey's getting warm. Be careful. Oh, thanks. So wait a minute. Uh, okay. What happened to this eight foot alligator? Tell me about this eight foot alligator. Well, one thing about me. I mean, you can't skip. You just ripped the head off an eight foot alligator and you go right to maggots. Okay, so isn't let me that just good pump meat? Isn't brakes. that good meat? Yes. Yeah, so um, I wrestle alligators with clothes on. I go out to Moscow, Colorado, and I do training. And uh, I'm obsessed with ripping those gators out of the water you and mounting are, their back. You know, you're a freak. I think I love pushing my limits as a human to see how far I can get before I get hurt. What's that all about? I think I learned that being in Iraq, I had a little bit of PTSD getting shot at, and I used to turn it into a video game, and my adrenaline pump, and I'm like, how far can I push this before I get hurt? So that was my personal quest right there. So are I you still doing through. this alligator wrestling thing? Yeah, I love it. Okay, wait a minute. They do it in Colorado? Mm -hmm. There's a, a town called Moscow, Colorado. It's by Canyon City, and I go out there probably about three times a year, and I'll talk to the owner you take your shoes off you get barefoot you walk in the alligator pit you pick your alligator and you rip their tail out or you put a noose around their neck and you get them out of the water and then you mount their back uh and is there one of their defense mechanisms they turn around they actually around? an alligator can't bite its own tail so if you grab the alligator's tail it they can't get cannot you. you can control it with which direction but they you're can going beat you up the with the tail the tail is very powerful yeah, so right? that's funny because the last time i went and wrestled this 12-foot alligator i put a noose around its neck uh, it turned and slapped my back with its tail. 
Oh, it looked like somebody took a two by four to my back for about three what is, weeks. Uh, and I guess Pete is not in on this. No, Peter wouldn't doesn't go with me. No, He's... not Peter. Uh, Peter. Uh, oh, Peter. Yeah. animals. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> Peter's not into it either. No, Peter's not. But the best part about wrestling alligators is when I rip them out of the water, we usually give them antibiotics or treat their wounds. So it's kind of like you're doing good and bad. I just love it. I think it's great. I love alligators. I respect the animal, but I also love ripping their heads off and eating the meat because it provides. So in Louisiana, I set up an alligator trap and it worked. I got a treble hook hung up from a tree and uh, I used one of my rotten fishes and I put it on the hook and I waited and she took it. It was so great. And uh, we pulled her out of the water. I jumped on her back and I used my barracuda knife and I just cut her head off, sliced it off. And then we ate on the meat for about 10 days. I bet the producers lose their shit when you do crazy shit like that. Yeah, they I have pictures that. of me writing it in Louisiana after I took her head, right before I took her head off and after. That's fantastic. It's like a warrior thing for me. I feel like uh, I turn into this beast um, when I go on Naked and Afraid. I don't know what it is. It's something my drive in me. I would make sure we'd have food, water, fire, shelter by day one. I would make sure you were taken care of. I love being a caregiver, a mom, so I love it. Uh, how old are your kids? Um, I have a 15-year-old daughter, Layla, 9-year-old boy, Easton, and Peter has two kids, um, Ivy and Ford. So we have a, a Brady Bunch family. There's a story. So, um, About Peter and Amber. <laughs> uh, I'll show you a picture afterwards. But um, I so I went out in the Sea of Cortez with one of my Marine Corps buddies, and he was kind of well-known in the Marine Corps. He had gotten, uh, gotten toe-tagged and was dead, and they were bagging him up to remove his body from uh, combat theater. And... <gasps> kind of barked to life what yeah and uh they ended up uh taking him to germany and and he's a pretty famous he had been dead for declared dead and toe tagged for quite is that some even time possible is he have yeah. brain injuries from it oh yeah he and he actually went to engineering school afterwards and kind of regularly reset life. himself yeah so before he had done the full reset i caught him like post hospital we ended up in on his boat out in the sea of cortez fishing what and, yeah and uh <coughs> Long story short, we went chumming to go shark hunting. And, oh, uh, that's cool. And we ended up getting a bunch of Mako chasing us. And uh, he had said to me, he goes, yeah, the Mako is, you know, it's like a principal alpha hunter. It's a it's a prime hunter in the ocean. Yeah. He says it's great meat eating because they have a bladder, bladder. They don't urinate through their skin. So they've got a, their meat tastes great. And uh, he said, you know, if we get Makos, you know, we'll pull them out of the water. He said, but, you know, we're going to we're gonna tire them down. And then he says, you got to tire them down before you bring them into boat or they'll destroy the boat. He says, you know, see that broken windshield right there? Yeah. He says, well, my wife caught one the other day. She pulled him towards the boat too soon, and they swim almost 60 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. And so the fish swam towards the pole of the line, came right up, or not the fish, the shark, came right up out of the water and hit the windshield of the boat and broke the windshield. Oh, my. Like a missile out of the water because they're going 60 miles an hour. Yeah. He said, you know, he said, you know, these are pretty serious, uh, you know, prime predators here. I said, okay. So we had these two that were circling around the boat, the boat, and they, you know, they bumped their head on the boat. Oh, my gosh. And I said, man, I said, I kind of want to punch a shark. I, I just got a weird thing. I want to punch a shark. And he said, he goes, oh, don't punch a shark. He goes, they're so fast, they'll get you. I said, no, I'm I'm way too fast for that. The oh, you're gonna really going to compete against a shark? So I, I got myself hanging over the boat. I'm hanging over the side like this. And the shark comes around. And I reach out. And <clears throat> I hit the shark as oh fast as gosh. I can. I hit him right in the head. And I hit him so fast. And he was going away from me. And I hit him in the head pretty hard. 
And as I pulled my hand back, his head had turned <gasps> and snapped at my hand. And I was like, oh, shit, game on. Oh, my god! So now that shark's pissed off, and he's banging his head against the boat, and he's circling around, and the other one's getting worked up. So uh, I grab a gaff, and uh, my, my friend's just, you know, kind of ride, driving the boat. And I grab a gaff, you know, a T-handled hook. Yeah. And I just snatched it up under the jaw and pulled it up into the boat. And oh when I pulled gosh. it up into the boat, he goes, what are you doing, man? And I said, uh, I said, well, uh, I said, I, we, we don't have to fish him then. I can just pull him. We don't have to do the fishing line, man. I'm just <laughs> oh going to pull him in the boat. And he, no, I didn't know. I'm a desert. I'm from Arizona, man. I don't know what sharks do. Well, the shark goes batshit berserk. And he's flopping and coming, you know, three, oh four gosh. feet off the deck of the boat. And he's tearing up the boat. He says, man, he's going to sink the boat. Blah, 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 blah. So I jumped on top of the thing. And just straddled it, right? The thing about a shark, though, is they can reach around and bite you. They're pretty, uh, they're very agile. Yeah. So I jumped on top of him, and I and I put his head into the corner. And uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but they were about 175 pound. Uh, you know, they were my size, but just pure muscle. Yeah. So strong, I couldn't believe it. And so aggressive, I was blown away. Oh, my. And, and I'm on top of the shark now, and he's flipping me all around the boat. And I had a Praetorian tie on me. And I snapped my Praetorian tie out and I popped him right in the neck, right behind the head. And his head kept going. Like, it reminded me when you told me the snake of story. The snake, yeah. The shark's like, <laughs> but he couldn't go anywhere because I hit him right across the spinal cord. Oh, my gosh, Greg. I'm surprised you did not get any scars from that. So I got, I'll show you a great picture after this. So there's just blood everywhere. And me sitting on the shark and I look over and you could see just this plunge right into the neck. And then he turns and he goes, that's about the craziest thing I've ever seen. Are you yeah, serious? This, this, this is a guy that, you know, kind of, you know, was... Could, I've seen declared, some crazy stuff, yeah. Yeah, he's seen some crazy stuff. He says, uh, hey, I'll give you $100 if you do that again on that no. other. So <laughs> we pulled that shark. We threw him in the little ice hatch, and I did the same thing. I grabbed the next one out, and I did the oh same thing. Oh, my It flopped out. So the boat looked like a massacre. There was blood everywhere, and these two dead sharks, and I, I popped them both right in the back of the... Back in the neck with my you know, I, to I think I'm a little crazy sometimes in the wild, but you're you're loco, man, for well, sure. When you say you jump on, like an alligator, kind of freaks me out because they're, they're like very aggressive and they're comfortable on the ground. Like yeah. they've got legs. Fast. You know, sharks kind of. You know, I feel like they're <laughs> you're taking them out of the element. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, no, it's so great. I wish that you would come to Colorado and try it sometime. <sighs> I would like to challenge you to come out to Colorado and go alligator wrestling with me. I don't know, man. I'm not as agile as I used. Then you be. can go and forge with Peter in the shop. It'd you're, be great. You're pretty wrong. What are you, 32? How old are you? I will totally take 32. <laughs> we don't even, I got to be honest. I'm 39 years old. And uh, Yeah. It's crazy. I'm 51 and a former infantry guy, and I don't skittle around quite the way I used to. <laughs> you know what? We'd have a great time. If anybody's listening to this podcast and would like to see Greg come out and wrestle alligators, leave a comment below. I My would love God, to see that. This is up in Colorado. That would be some, I'm sure Bobby would come along to video 100%. the shit out of this. 100%. Bobby, Bobby Bushcraft will go, hands down. But I will tell you this, the whole story on the alligator. After we had it for oh 10 years. Oh, my God, years, I hijacked your sorry. I'm no, sorry. I forgot. I just want to yeah. – I'm one of those, like, I'll start talking like you and this I'll wander what, off the trail. This is, why I'm, like, this is why I'm divorced. I steal the moment. <clears throat> I ahead. don't think you stole the moment at all. No, I thought that story that. was awesome, by the way. And I, that's something that I wouldn't do. So, And I, I go balls to the wall when it comes to being a survivalist. A fish story that didn't get away. That was kind of – that was really impressive. I got to be <laughs> honest. Like, that is a story you need to tell at dinner and be like, people are like, what? Okay, so I'll t I'm going to tell you a little subtext of the story. So. Okay. I ended up 
uh, at a surf competition down at the Stone Steps in San Diego, uh, Encinitas. We come up after the surf competition, and I'm walking through the neighborhood, little bungalow, cute little neighborhood on the coast of California, and there's this party going on, and I just walked up and grabbed a guitar, and next thing you know, we had like a band going in this front yard, and we had this great time. Well, I start talking to this dude, and I, I, I said, oh, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm a shark hunter. What? And you know, I remember I was like, hmm. "That's kind of cool." It, okay, and then I go, "Well, me too." I'm a shark killer. <laughs> he says, "I'm a shark fisherman," and I go, "Well, me too. I did. I'm a shark fisherman today." And he and he's like, "You know, you know." He says he's a shark shark fisherman or shark hunter, and everyone's like, "I mean, who else goes?" Yeah, me too. Oh so my gosh. I'm like, "Yeah, me too." And he goes, well, "What do you mean?" I go, "Well, I did that today." And he goes, "What do you mean you did that today?" And I said, well, we got these Makos. He says, well, that's all I hunt is Makos and Threshers. And I said, well, I tell him the story. And the guy's just looking at me like, are you kidding? He's like, you didn't do that. Of course, Amy's standing there. She goes, yeah, he did that. I'm like, yeah, I got pictures, man. Look at it. And he goes, goes, I hook up to a Mako. And they tow me around for an hour. And then I kind of pull them in when they're all worn out. I said, well, I had a fresh fight with both of mine. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> the guy thought I was absolutely, he thought I was completely lying. And then I showed him the pictures, and he was like, you could see the wind coming out of his. You were like the coolest guy he's ever met at that moment. Well, I think he thought I was fucking crazy. Oh, of course. I think people think we're crazy what we do things like that. It seemed at the time, both times, it seemed like the thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so when I watch myself do crazy things out there, when we were ripping the gator out, and I'm on its back, and I'm mounting it back, I'm like, yeah, and then I'm like, whoa, what were you doing? And my kids look at me and they're like, oh my. Do you ever get up on them and then hold their mouth shut and all that? Of course. So they've got musculature for closed, but not great musculature for open, which is why we're able to pull this off. Yeah. So that's why it works out. I mean, most of the time when I mount their back, I put my weight on it and I'm a buck 25. So sometimes it is difficult for me. So I had Max and Gary really assist the whole entire process. 25 and 39. Go ahead. I I am. You got your stats. Oh wait. Oh, thank you so much yeah. for that, by the way. Yeah, I was doing and my stat voice. I thought it was very professional. Oh, thank you. I think that's great, actually. You're a keeper. Well, we like to, you know, uh, it's, it's background. It's like the Greek, <laughs> it's like the Greek chorus. <laughs> yes. No, but like I think about what you said. It was in the moment, and you felt like it was the right thing to do. It was like your intuition guiding you. And there are some crazy things. Me fighting snakes or chasing them. Um, I don't know what is in me, but I'm just like go for it. Like I may I have to watch the show because I hear about you fighting snakes and ripping heads off alligators and i'm kind of oh wait this is is i'm talking about stuff that's coming up in april oh 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 so these are some some of these these are okay to come out these are okay some of these things i don't want you to get in trouble happen may have happened i may have had an encounter with others so these are non-plotline related items that contractually you're able to disclose correct all right so now you know brought to you by our sponsors (laughs) but also okay Let's close the loop on the disgusting food. Yes. Because somebody's going to be like, okay, what really happened? So Gary is one of those survivalists. He's a phenomenal survivalist, very smart and intelligent, and um, he will eat anything. That's his thing. He'll eat raw meat, rotten meat, you name it, maggots, like, ugh. Jesus Tumors, you name it, he'll Christ. eat it. I can't do that. Me I will be neither. honest. So I, I need it on a plate. Prepared. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I have requirements. My, my one rule as a survivalist, I will not eat bad meat. Because I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm either crapping myself all day long, puking, getting dysentery, parasites. I don't risk it. And I'm very careful with that. So Gary says to me and Max, Max, my partner, and Max is on my team. He's like, hey, I'm not going to eat anything like that. either." And Gary says, hey, I got these maggots. This meat isn't bad. I'm going to boil it for 10 minutes. We're going to kill the bacteria. He goes, trust me, I'm going to eat it. It's going to be great. And this is like the head head meat of the alligator. That's why we didn't 
that's why we wasted it because we let it sit on the head. We were going to save the head. And there was a bunch of cheek muscles still left in there. So I ripped them out, gave them to Gary with maggots. You'd already eat it in the pot. And you guys had already eaten the rest of the alligator. Yeah, we already ate it. We smoked right. it. We made jerky. I mean, we salvaged every part of this gator. It sounds like more of a cooking show. 100%. All right, go ahead. So um, Gary decides to boil all this meat, and you see the maggots just coming to the top. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm really against maggots. Like, it's part of me saying don't eat this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, I'll give in to Gary. We need the pot for my fish anyways. Max goes, I'll try it. So we both try a piece of the meat with the maggots, and I was like, eh, a little weird taint to it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. As a survivalist, never eat maggots, never eat bad meat. And um, Gary looks at me after I ate it and he goes, man, I can't believe you did that. And I go, what? What? <laughs> he really tricked me. I was like, what do you mean? You would, what do you mean? I actually shouldn't have done this. And he goes, I wouldn't have done it. And I'm like, oh, the guy who eats anything? Yes, the guy who eats anything says this to me. And I'm like, no way. And uh, I ate a, it was my first maggot ever. And it was the one thing that I'll never do again. All and right. I did it because I listened to to Gary and I should have stuck with my intuition. All right. Well, fuck you, Gary. And your mag your maggot trickery. I didn't get the shits. Thank God. And God, yeah, maggot that's trickery a lot of for sure. Talk for me. I'm very fecal phobic. Just so you know, I could never do this naked and afraid thing because of the whole naked bathroom business. How do you do the wiping? Um, it depends. You got to find the certain leaves. Oh, yeah. See, oh my God. I could barely, I can't go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom at my house. Do you really? Yeah. I actually have an executive bathroom here private for me just in case an emergency happens. What? Yeah. I don't go to the bathroom anywhere ever. So you couldn't go outside and pop a squat? No. Oh, poop? shit. No. Let me tell you something. When we did basic warrior training when I was in the Marine Corps, uh -huh. uh, the longest I ever went was 12 days. No number two. Whoa. Yeah. I've seen that happen on the show. Some guy's gone 17 to 20 days. That's pretty sick. They can start I, puking shit. Well, and, 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 and well, if you're not eating that much, if yeah. your caloric intake is low. Correct. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, when it finally did happen, it was problematic. But I'm saying I was I made it through and I made it back to a regular a regular toilet where I could do business. Yeah, that's, I'm freaky about that. That you know what? I totally understand that. I have no shame because girls poop, too. I know it's a shocker. You're crashing, you're crashing illusions I've built up over years. <laughs> I gotta years be honest, of, girls poop of, too. I have no oh, shame. I'm like, I don't go denial. to people. Years of denial of giving me a safe, uh, girl poop-free bubble oh, around I my know, stall. Oh, I know it happens. It ha and girls fart. You know, it's it's crazy. No, no they we can don't. No, never, they don't. One hundred percent, they no, do. No, they don't. This is why I said, you know, I'm putting myself out there in front of people to see the real me. And I'm being honest. Do girls poop? Heck yeah. Come on, let's be real. Of course we poop. And oh, out there, wow. I would find my leaves. I would make a leaf pile. I had everything. I either go in the water sometimes and clean up. People like I want. Was on people it. want to know about this. You know, it is a problem uh, because it's one, whenever you talk about naked afraid. Is it one of the first things people ask about? Is my period. That's what they ask me. What do you do when you're in your period? <laughs> I swear. It's the number one oh thing. I don't know why. They, they, I mean, out of anything, they're like, what do you do when you're in your period? And I'm like, I don't know. They give me toiletry items. They have to. You really want to see a girl walk around on camera bleeding out of her crotch? Absolutely not. That'd be so inappropriate. Okay. So they take care of you. 100%. It's the basic stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. You know, um, there's a... Uh, <coughs> gosh... Um, there's a uh, phrase about in the PJ community about how uh, you could drop a PJ out anywhere on earth naked and they could show up in three days in New York City in a suit. Oh, my god! Have you ever heard that phrase? No, I never heard that. And uh, I always think about the environments of the earth. And, and they're like, yeah, we're training every environment. We can survive every environment. Yeah. What's the worst environment you can imagine being in? Or is there an environment you imagine that is or that you know of that like, oh, we don't do show there because you can't make it. 
Yeah, I, uh, that's a tough one because there have been people who almost died on the show. Yeah. So well, they don't really talk about that because there could be some lawsuits For me, involved. it's the cold. I got to agree. That's funny you say that because uh, one thing I would never do is a cold weather challenge. I, I don't have enough body fat. Even when I try to prepare for a show, I I go to the gym. I try to build up as much muscle mass as I can. I try to put on a little fat on me. I get to about 136. That's my That's my golden weight for me to go on a challenge. I would not have enough weight to survive the cold. It it would be absolutely miserable. And you can't you, get away from it. You, and you lose a lot of weight around the cold. Yes. I mean, it burns calories Barefoot. just surviving it. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. How, I, it's, it'd be risking a limb is what I would look yeah, at. Yeah. And um, there are some cold weather challenges out there that they've done on Naked and Afraid, but I just am not attracted to that at all. I would not do a cold weather challenge. I'm pretty hardcore. I, I hate it in the military. We'd go out into the, uh, the range and we'd shoot and it'd be like, Negative five. It was miserable. Where was that at? Uh, Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah, okay. We've had some cold winters, and that was uh, 12 years, 14 years now, my gosh, when I was in. And uh, every time we went to the range, it was always during a snowstorm or a blizzard. And I'm like, how do you expect my shot group to be tight when I'm sitting there shaking, shaking? I can't can't stop my shaking because I'm so cold. doesn't matter what you're wearing. It's miserable. I hate being cold. Tell us what you'd like to promote today. I'm sure people have had fun listening to your uh, stories of nudity. It's uh, slightly titillating and voyeuristic of us all to kind of hear what's going on. Um, Tell us uh, the things you'd like to promote a little bit uh, while you're here today. Okay, something kind of great that I'm supporting right now is I'm actually doing a fundraiser for a charity called Michelle's Place. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Resource Center. And it's it's part of a reality rally. It's when all of us reality stars come together once a year and raise money for this charity. And it's a, a place where women can go to even men that actually get breast cancer, yeah. which is common. And they give you the right resources, whether they help you take you to pl- places, they pick you up. It's like your own personal Uber. And they're there for you. They have psychologists that step in to where talk is this? to them. This is in Temecula, where they're based yep. out of. Yep. And they help women across the United States. And so right now I'm raising money for it. It's a reality rally. You can look up Amber Hargrove, if you want to make a donation, it means the world to so many different people and it makes a difference. What's the, uh, where, where do they go? Give us an exact RealityRally.com. And they can make a donation there? Mm-hmm. Under Amber Hargrove, under stars. Reality, say it one more time. Reality Rally. Reality Rally, like R-A-L-L-Y. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to ask you, Greg, what if we... you would consider donating to a, a beautiful charity. Yes. Oh, you don't have to take your clothes off either, though. No. Maybe. No. Uh, I will take my clothes off whenever it's required and whenever it's fun and whenever it gets the desired shock effect. But I'll donate money to good causes, of course. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know what we should do is why don't we make a, a knife that we do like an online auction for oh, so everyone really? gets to participate in that. How about that? Oh, that would make my heart smile. Seriously. Okay. Yeah, happy to do it. Oh, thank you. Okay, so Bobby, make sure... Bobby's in the background. He'll be dealing with all of this. So let's do a uh, uh, give. A, uh, we'll do an auction knife. Okay, cool. And then, would you just coordinate that a little bit with Bobby, and we'll make that happen? Of course, great, hundred percent. When's the deadline for that? Uh, April first. Okay, and what else you got going on? Uh, actually, currently, I designed my first blade with my husband, Peter. It's okay. going to be called the Barracuda. I mentioned it. I actually got to take both of my prototypes on my last two challenges, and it's a phenomenal blade. I can't wait to share it with everybody. It's going to be released in two months. What style of blade is it? It's a bukkery. 
It's a bukkery. Yeah, a bukkery is more uh, like when you see a kukri, it's a little bit more straight edge on the top, and uh, the handle fits your hand like a glove, especially in the wild. What's the handle made out of? Um, the handle material you can select. There's different versions of it you can actually have. I had black micarta for mine with orange liner because mm. it's easier to find if I dropped it, yeah. which is a survivalist makes sense. And uh, I also am working on a notch design that we're working on a patent called the Amber Notch. An amber notch is on the inside of the blade, and it's where you can actually strike your ferro rod with where you're not touching the edge of the blade itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in a choil area? Yeah, right yeah. above it. It's yeah. really interesting. So uh, I'm really excited about that. And right now, I'm just, I feel spoiled. That's like, going to be hard to patent. You have no idea. I've I mean, I do. I, I do actually. You do know. Yeah, I wouldn't patent it if I were you. It's It's been a work in progress, and um, it actually works, though, which well, is so amazing. Like, I, it, it may be hard to patent, but... Having this on the blade, the amber notch is, it actually has been proven to work in any environment and in actually any type of ferro rod. So, well, I like the, I, I like the idea that you're doing something like that. That's cool. And branding it and giving it a name. Um, I've seen notches on knives before just for that, but no, that kind of stuff's super hard to patent. And you're right. I, you almost never get the money back. I like, don't I don't do patents are. at all. I mean, I, I even have new me mechanisms the world's never seen for yeah. knives that I'm going to make. And I don't want you patent anything because everyone's going to steal it. The Chinese are going to steal it anyways. And then you put this money into the patent. It's really hard to defend it. Yeah, I understand and that completely. It's kind of crazy, but it was just kind of fun to the idea <clears throat> and the process of actually working. I'm like, thank goodness. Yeah, cool. and taking it out in the wild, so it's kind of fun. Right, what's it called again? Uh, the Barracuda. The Barracuda, and that's over at Dark Timber Knives. Dark Timber Custom Knives. Dark yeah. Timber Custom Knives. All right, cool. And. Oh, boy, I've gotten something in my throat. It's just you need CPR. It's torpedoing me right now, for <laughs> God's sake. Um, what else do you have uh, besides that? That's about it. I'm actually just traveling around and doing a little promotion for the breast cancer awareness fundraiser and also for my Barracuda with Peter. Are, so. you, are you going out to California tomorrow? Yeah, I'm actually going to go train with uh, Taryn Tactical. Yeah, okay. So I'm I'll really excited to meet Tatiana. I'll see you out there. You're going to be there Saturday, correct? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, it should be. We'll see. I know. I wrote um, Rock, actually. He's actually a really sweet guy. Galati? Yep. Yeah. So I'm actually interested in meeting him and what he does in his career is really a cool job. He's, you know, he's been around a long time, too. I remember I, uh, I was at Galco years ago and my friend Darren was uh, dealing with Rock, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's been around the uh, Hollywood uh, gear industry a long time. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And you got a cool job, too, man. You have grown so much just watching you in three years and what you're doing. I mean... You have so many people who believe in you and follow you. You're doing great. Your rawness really sets a presence for the tone. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I uh, I think I get some people who, you know, really like me and they let me know. And a lot of people just, you know, you can see the numbers. There's people that are watching and looking and listening. Yeah. And, but I get a lot of haters. Like, <laughs> the haters wear They're me down. They're always going to be there. Yeah, they wear me down a little bit. I wouldn't let them get to you. You know. You're you, bigger. You, I know, I know. And I don't let them get to me anymore. But, you know, boy, I tell you, they, they, they just, it's unrelenting they're just unrelenting and it, it's almost like being a pit bull and you just want to go after them and rip their throat out sometimes and you're like i can't you're just behind the computer you're just giving your your voice and your opinion like i do every day in my life i have to take my own advice you know and just like fly at a different altitude not that let's let this stuff touch me but i really want to i want to fast rope out of the helicopter and cut their throats 100 percent. it took but me I, years I just to get have there to like, mm, i found my like <laughs> social media mm, you know yeah no, one hundred percent. I, I, but I really would like to see you come to Colorado and forge with Peter. Get your hands dirty, and also, uh, don't worry, there won't be whoa, any poop whoa, whoa, hands dirty. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I met in the forge, like, you, like really get to experience. You had me at watching the forge as soon as you said hands dirty. I'm what? Out. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then I want to get you. 
in the water with an alligator just so you can feel it. And it, it's really just creates something that adrenaline inside of you, like that natural reaction you had with the shark. I guarantee you're going to have that with the alligator. That's inside of you, that marine. It's it wants primal, to come out huh? and play. All right. Well, duly noted. And uh, if I do lose a hand or an arm. You won't. I promise. Be, it would be like, uh, it would be an awesome story to tell no. at Blade Show. You know what I mean? I'd be like, ah. Because I used to Amber. make knives, but now I just manage it. Guys, don't you get your hand dirty? I do occasionally get my hand dirty. Um, I will show you an alligator hunting knife that I just made for Zach Brown. What? It's out in my uh, shop here. Man, I just missed him at the Red Rock Amphitheater. I live four minutes from there, and yeah. I wanted to write him and be like, I'm like five minutes from you, brother. I would love to meet you, but I'm a fan and a nerd, so. You know, uh. It's funny, uh, my daughter, her first concert was a Zach Brown concert. No. So Zach called, you know, Zach and I have been talking, and it, it, I'll tell you how I met him. So I'm at Blade Show, and this guy comes up and talks to me, and I'm standing at the counter. We go back and forth, and, you know, I don't watch TV, and I, I don't know what anybody looks like. These guys talking to me, like, what do you do? You know, so I make nice full time. This back in the morning, I'm just myself, completely matter of fact, and I, I said, what do you do? He said, oh, we, we do music. Uh, he says, I do. I, I play a little music here and there. I said, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough gig, man. I'd hate to have to try to earn a living. No, you said that. Oh, fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> I said, yeah, I play a little music too. You know, I play guitar. Uh, I said, you know, my daughter sings, so I play guitar and we sing together and have fun. And he, and he goes, oh, yeah, what kind of guitar do you play? He goes, oh, I said, oh, I play, you know, I got Taylor guitars and I got this guitar and that guitar you know i kind of collect guitars and he goes oh i know bob taylor and he starts telling me about it and what it. and so we're back and forth and you know he was kind of funky he had like a vest and like i saw him at blade show cool shirt i watched him in the distance and i'm like i don't know should i go say hi he to got him? kind of a I funky hat on yeah he had that funny and you're hat. like either he's a weirdo mushroom guy or that guy's somebody like i don't get it i, I wasn't processing i'm just sort of shooting the shit with the guy and uh and so uh, I said, well, what, what do you do really? He goes, oh, he says, well, my, my guys and I, we have a little band. We play music, and the dudes are standing behind him. And they're all kind of funky, yeah. southern, cool-looking, you know? And then one of my employees leans in. He goes, oh, boss, that's Zach Brown, major international recording artist. Oh, my and gosh. I go, and I go, Zach Brown. I go, uh, ass in the water, toes in the sand. Go, that's Zach Brown. He goes, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, look at you. He, he, I go, shit, man, you sandbagged me like that, goddamn it. He goes, well, I don't I said, I said, cool. He dig it. He dug it that I wasn't like a star fucker, you know? That's exactly what he needed. And you were just yourself. That and was so great. So what's funny is we become friends and back and forth. So he's got a concert coming through town. He's, he texts me. He's like, hey, you guys want any tickets? I Aww. said, let me get the guys out. And he says, hey, uh, you want to maybe come by beforehand? We could talk knives, bullshit, play guitar, whatever. Oh, and I cool. said, I said, yeah. He said, well, if you want to bring anybody, bring them along. So, uh, you know, Amy didn't want to go, and, and my daughter, Roxanne, I was like, hey, you want to go to Zach Brown concert? So I had her listen to some, she said, oh, yeah, I'll go. So we go, we come pulling up, and, and uh, you know, uh, I had a unique car at the time, and they knew what to expect. Like, oh, Mr. Redford, I'm like, oh, you're right this way. I'm, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a concert. It's madness everywhere. Yeah. They're like, fast track me through. I go through this gate. I pull in next to all these concert buses. I pull up next to his motor coach. Oh, the whole band great. steps out. So my daughter and I get out. I've got some knives for him. We go into his uh, motor coach. She's never been in a thing like that. And then uh, he's he, he had invested in a moonshine company. So we're drinking some moonshine. Oh, that's awesome. He's taking out his guitars. We're playing a little guitar. And then uh, he's like, hey, you guys want to have dinner? So we have dinner. And then he's like, all right, well, uh, listen, uh, well, uh, I'm going to have here my assistant's going to take you through and get in your seat tougher. We walk across the stage and sit down. And, uh, oh, that's so neat. Then he gets up, and the band plays, and he comes over and, you know, kind of does this. Oh, 
your daughter must have been so well, she must have felt so special well, too oh, oh, okay well let me tell you the final the the punchline of the story so my daughter has this I, oh, yo, that was fun you know it's nice you know it was nice and then um a couple of weeks later uh one of my lawyer buddies called me up he's like hey man uh bruce is the boss is playing out in dallas let's let's go out to dallas and see the boss i got great tickets and i was like all right so we hopped on an airplane to go out to see springsteen and uh my daughter says to me she goes oh what do you think you guys will have for dinner are you guys gonna uh... <laughs> she's like oh she's like well, yeah well my dad goes to concerts he hangs out with the musician yeah, musician, like he, and then we yeah. have dinner and then we play guitar together and then they go out and do the little of concert course. and we all hang out together oh that's so cool <laughs> And I was like, I was like, oh, sweetie, that was a special evening. Yeah, you're like, um, <laughs> but to feel that way, how great. Yeah, it was totally cool oh as a dad gosh. to pull that off, you know, and like, I, and then he gives me a guitar amp and signs it and sends what? me away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of give each other shit. Um, he's, he's actually a really nice guy and the dude just loves knives. No, I heard he was great. He's actually, uh, my friend Jake Nodar, I uh, think stays with him and visits him all the time because Jake's on the show too. And I was always like, man, I would love to go and watch him in concert. I'm a huge fan of his. And then I'm like, when you meet people in person, you get to see that they're actually good humans. I mean, I really appreciate that more than anything. Yeah. He's, he's a good dude. I really like him. And it, you know, it's, it's cool. And I just think he liked, and I didn't give a shit who he was. was like, <laughs> but now it's kind of fun for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, that music that I was, that was that guy. Oh my gosh. I, I love it. She's uh, never going to forget this by the way. Your daughter. Oh no, I know she, she, we crack up about it all the time. I'm going to country. I'm like, no, I'm not having dinner with Pink Floyd. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the cool guy right here. How old is your daughter? She's 15. Oh, is she fifteen? Yeah. Oh gosh, teenager years. I just got her. Uh, I just got her, her first car. Uh, what? Yeah. Is she I, super stoked? It's funny, you know. She wanted a. Uh, I was trying to like make it a learning moment, like you do for your kids, you know. Yeah. Uh, so she, she was talking about all these different cars, and I have all kinds of different cars, and she she likes all my different. She's like, oh, I want to get. I'm like, no, sweetie, you can't have a Porsche. It's your first car. Right. Oh, how about an old vintage pickup? Well, they're not really that safe, actually. It's yeah. a little bit safe for the motorcycle. <laughs> Let's get something modern and safe for you. you know? Yeah. I said, well, put it this. She goes, what do you mean it's not safe? I go, well, if you drive in the water, it won't stop. That's right. And she's like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I go, you have to pump the brakes. It kind of worked the thing. Yeah. So, um. I had her start looking at vehicles, and she's like, "Well, I want a Challenger, and I want a I want a black Challenger with black stripes." Oh my gosh! And I was like, "Okay." I go do some homework, check residual values. Yeah. You're gonna put some money down, and I'm gonna buy the rest. I said, and then I want you to cross check a few vehicles, and and so after all these machinations, yeah, we've arrived at a Toyota Rav Four with the off road package. No, are you serious? Yeah, and I I was actually proud of her because I think it's a really smart choice. A hundred percent. It's actually went, a great vehicle. She went with the hybrid because it gets forty five miles to the gallon, and so and, she's thinking smart too. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I I was trying to have this be this learning experience, you know, like. Oh, I never, my daddy always bought my cars. I don't know. You know, I didn't want her to be a girl like that. I want her to be like, no, this is your way out. So she's, it's so funny. You know what I'm talking about. There's all these packages you can get. Yes. So I told her, I said, well, look what it costs and see what you can use and what's of value to you. Yeah. And then you pick the package that's right for you. And so, you know, it's, it, as parenting, we try to turn everything into kind into of some learning positive moment. learning moment, yeah. you know? hundred percent. I'm a truck girl. So my daughter, she wants a truck and she's like, well, I kind of want your old truck that used to have the Laramie, the 2013 Dodge Ram. And I'm a Ram girl. And I was like, oh man, that's kind of an expensive truck even used now. It's like a $30,000 truck. And I'm like, well, why don't we work something in your budget? So I'm working with her right now. She just got her permit and I'm just like, she's a great driver. I've actually been letting her drive when I lived in Montana since she was 13. 
because it was Montana. Yeah. We just let our kids go to the store. And now I look back and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Well, it's funny, you know, you're younger than me. And I tell people that I used to have a note after my parents got divorced. My mom's boyfriend guy had a little note and it said, please let Greg buy a case of natural light beer. No, are you serious? Yeah. So he, he drags me into the Alpha Beta one year, one time. And I was, I I believe I was nine, maybe I was nine or 10, right around that age. And he had a Toyota Corolla and, and he brings me into the manager and he goes, Hey, this is my boy here. Uh, if he comes in with this note, it's from me and the beer's from me. So are we good? And the guy was like, and the manager was like, okay. So, and he said, and it's safer for everybody if you get my meaning, you know, it's kind of like I drink and I shouldn't be driving. So I ate, I'm not, I'm maybe nine years old. I drive, drive the thing down to the, I drive the Toyota Corolla down to the grocery store and I go in, I go get back to the beer section. I get a, uh, uh, I'd get a case of natural light. (laughs) And I'd walk up and I'd hand the note to the, the cashier and she would get, call the manager over to be like, yeah, it's okay. And so I was like, I'd go walking out with a case of beer, oh put it in the Toyota gosh. Corolla and people would be like. <laughs> and That's I, exactly. That is so great, though. But look, when you started to learn these little things as a young age, we never do that anymore with our no, kids. We're so totally safe. protected. Like, I don't you, I say, I don't know how I survived my childhood. I used to jump off of bridges when I was like nine years old and think it was great into water. Rock jumping a and 30, all that. 40 foot th- drop. Yeah, At yeah. nine years old, I yeah. did this. My sister would hang me over the railroad and just wait for the train to come and then drop me. Never been risky. No. No, you just, the alligator thing was a very recent convention. I know. And you know what's crazy is um, my mom, she was single because, you know, she divorced, but I had a really strong woman in my life. Thank God. And I did not have my father in my life, which sucks. I only got to see him every once in a blue moon. And he would take me only fishing, hunting, mm-hmm. all guy stuff. Always. So that's how I learned certain traits. But I was very blessed to have both of them in my life when I could. But man, I teach my daughter everything right now. I'm like, so Peter won the lottery and snagged you. Good yeah. For him. Or did I win the lottery? Um, uh, listen, I, I'm just going to say that I know you a little bit and I'm going to say he won the lottery right now. Peter, I don't know anything about him. I'm sure you're prince of a guy and walk on water. <laughs> <laughs> but I always see things from the guy's perspective. I'm like, he won the lottery. So tell us a little bit about Peter uh, and his uh, knife company. Yeah, so Dark Timber Custom Knives has been around for a while. He uh, actually, Is that all he does? Yeah, he's just a full-time knife maker. He does everything. He doesn't work on blanks. He actually makes his own Damascus. Everything is done with his hands. And um, it's a beautiful art watching him forge. It's like watching magic. And me, I'm always like, gosh, I want to be able to forge. But I get kicked out of the forge a lot, so I haven't really finished a knife with him besides the Barracuda. It's kind of a side story. But anyways, uh, he's doing great as a knife maker, and he is turned into this mid tech manufacturer as well pretty much what you do just not on a large scale and uh his group that he manages through instagram and facebook dark timber brotherhood is uh pretty much uh friends and family that come in there they start out as fans but then we turn them into friends and family it's a wonderful dynamic that they have going on this group well let him know if you guys ever stumble across how how big is it does he have a lot of employees no it's just him okay if he uh gets to a point where he wants to do an OEM project to have something a little more scale made, mm-hmm. um, he should definitely reach out and I'd love to do something for him. Man, you know, I mean, it's not charity. I mean, it's work. I mean, no, pay, I, I mean, I, but I love doing that kind of stuff and I love helping American makers. Uh, you know, like he's got a, a beautiful skill, artistic skill set. That's not my focal point. My focal point is making a lot of knives that have an exact feel and are exactly one way. Yeah. That's a different, that's a, very different skill set. I left my artistic knife maker pretty early on and I went to process kind of perfection. Yeah. Like repeatable, identical. Uh, yeah, I understand. That's what you're a saying different there. art 
Yeah. Uh, Chris Reeve from, from Chris Reeve Knives said to me in Europe years ago, we were talking about knives. And he was like, Greg, making one knife is not hard. Making 10 is pretty hard. And making 100 the same is a goddamn miracle. You know, oh. it's something like that. Yeah. You know, making knives, you know, over, across the years that are the same, that feel the same, that are interchangeable parts. It's really actually pretty hard to do. And that's yeah. kind of my skill set that I've gotten good at with this team. Um, if there's something I could do with some somewhere along the way. Uh, you know what would be fun to see? To see you and him do a collaboration on a knife together. Even if you come to the Forge and work with him, yep. that would be really interesting. I mean, you guys actually have the same line sight on certain things. And I see the same mannerisms. So I know you guys would get along pretty well. Cool. It would be a fun experience too. Very cool. Well, uh, pleasure having you in, and uh, I think we'll call it a wrap for the day. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Good fun. Good fun. I, I and couldn't drink all my whiskey because it's giving me a buzz, and I have to go shoot later. So I got. Oh my god, that's uh, like I'm a, such a weenie. That's a tablespoon, just so you know. Oh, you no. ate. You I'm ate. An, you ate an alligator's ass, and you can't have a. Uh, okay, a Gary ate the ass and balls, not me. They oh, actually ate the penis. You had to it throw, was so gross. Oh, you had to throw that stuff in. Oh, it did. They you're, did. I was like, I don't eat. You're that. like one. One. There's the line. You step right over. Sorry about that. Right I don't over. really have a line. Oh, <laughs> my God. I got over your barrier. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you guys, you can check out Amber Hargrove in uh, this season coming up out in April on Discovery Channel of Naked and Afraid. I'm clothed and afraid of the stuff she's eaten. Greg Medford from the Greg Medford Show here in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks for joining us. We're out.